Good morning, listeners. This is Citizen U, a forum for exploring local government and related issues in depth to increase your civic literacy and with that, your ability to effectively engage in decisions affecting our communities. I'm your third Wednesday host, Ukiah Mayor Mari Roden. Supervisor Dan Jurdy hosts Citizen U on first Wednesdays. The subject of today's show is how to make your voice heard at the local level. I usually plan for guests to inform you about issues that affect our communities so that you can actively engage in decision making. But how does one engage in decision making? How does one get the attention of elected officials or bureaucrats? Sometimes it's a matter of mustering the courage and feeling empowered to make your voice heard. But once you do get their attention, what's the best way to communicate so that they really listen and consider your point of view? My guests to discuss these questions of how to make your voice heard are Jen Dalton and Miles Gordon. Jen and Miles work with communities, local governments, and nonprofit organizations to facilitate community engagement. Jen has a background as an activist and has worked in political consulting and advocacy campaigns. Miles has a background as a community organizer, high school civics teacher, and is founder of the Gardens Project of NCO. He has taught community members how to organize for community power and communicate with civic leaders. They are both active community members and voters and currently work together locally, regionally, and nationally as Kitchen Table Consulting. Good morning, Jen and Miles. Good morning, Mari. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Yeah. It's really a pleasure to have you here, and I think this is going to be an interesting discussion, and we'll open up the phone lines in a few minutes. Um, But I'd first like to start... um, Introducing, I introduced the topic as being about making one's voice heard at the local level, uh, because I think that that, that's the, uh, there's a different route to communicating at the local level versus the state or federal levels. And so I was wondering if either or both of you had something to say, you know, uh, about those different ways of making your voice heard at those different levels. Well, I'd like to invite Miles to start because he grew up here, and then I'm a transplant, so I think I have a different perspective. Okay. Well, thanks. It's great to be here. And, um, you know, it was interesting as a civics teacher, I taught at Ukiah High School, and I would always teach 17 and 18 year olds about how to engage and locally and others. And one of the things I think we've sort of lost, and this gets that, is that practice of how do you engage? Um, And as people talk about sort of the loss of civics discourse in this country, it's a loss of practice and a loss of actually how you do it. And so I think we need to get ourselves back in that habit of knowing what do we do and then practice doing it rather than just talking to each other. So I think at the local level, what's really nice is it's accessible. I mean, you see, and you might not know it, but you probably see your staff members at the city, your staff members from the county, your, your political electeds from all of these places. You see them at some point. You see them when you pick up your kids at school. You see them in the grocery store. And so what do you do and when is it appropriate to sort of say something? And how do you have the confidence in learning how to say it? So I think one of the most important things about a local is its accessibility. And if you've only grown up here, um, you might not realize how accessible it can be even though you may be nervous about it or not know how to do it once you get the access. Um, But once you leave and go to large areas, and Jen can certainly talk to this because it's one of the pieces um, she noticed when she first came here, is you have great opportunities here. And I think one of the things I look forward to getting into today's conversation is, okay, I have the opportunity now, how do I do it? Yeah, I mean, I could just in broad strokes as someone, I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana, which is a huge capital city. And then I moved to San Francisco in the Bay Area and lived there for like 20 some odd years before moving here to Ukiah about 12 years ago. And I was definitely engaged in things, you know, I mean, I participated in marches, I, you know, volunteered for different campaigns for folks who were running for election. I Uh, Like I said, I worked in political consulting, but it wasn't until I moved to Ukiah that I began to see like, oh, like I can actually like go to, 
you know, a, a meet and greet or, you know, just go to a, a dinner party and run into someone. Or, I mean, perhaps I move in certain circles, but at the same time, like, I just felt like people were really friendly and they were open to conversation about our community as opposed to being in a bigger city where, like, you actually have to, like, have money in your pocket to have a conversation with someone or buy an expensive ticket to something to participate, um, you know, or be known. Whereas here you can be just you and you can have a conversation with someone who can help make a difference in what you see as, you know, the change you want to see in our community. I agree with both of you about the accessibility of local government officials. I, I, I'm a local government official in the city of Ukiah and and it's so meaningful when um, an individual approaches me outside of a meeting or when somebody comes for public comment. It makes a huge impact, and it's much more difficult to do that at the state or federal level. You you're, you can write a letter, but you feel sort of anonymous. And, and we have field representatives um, in Ukiah for our state, you know, Assembly Member Wood and uh, for Mike McGuire, um, and and they're they're available and you can ask them usually they're there to help constituents with problems but they're still an intermediary mm -hmm. whereas at the local level you know there there generally isn't we don't have staff you know right. in between the public and us well and what you're making me think of too is like that you know like the how starts in our minds right it starts with us like understanding that our voice is important no matter who we are and and that um, you know, that here folks just, they want to hear from everybody, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, you don't have to be like, you know, working for some special organization or you don't have to, big, you know, yeah. contribute a big uh, donation right. to our campaign here. You can just be you, like mm -hmm. I just said earlier, but you know, it's just, it, the, the difference to me is so stark and so powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just really feel like folks in Mendocino County have a huge opportunity to become more involved if that's what they feel is possible for themselves. And it starts with getting that sense of like, oh, oh, okay, someone actually does want to hear what I have to say. Right. And, and it's interesting, part of the conversation I've been having more and more with people is, I hear this, and I think it's again part of the breakdown of the discourse of civics, is the government this. And when somebody starts complaining about the government, I'm, I say, you know, it's your government if you want it to be. Um, and if you think of it as some outside force only, Guaranteed, there's problems about accessibility at different levels. There's problems about, you know, untoward influence of money and power. However, if you start reclaiming the language of my government and start seeing it not as something foreign, it starts changing the way you interact with it. And so when people start going, the government is this, this, and this, I said, oh, well, have you talked to the staff of so-and-so yet? Oh, I've got this problem. Blah, 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 blah. They're not doing anything. I'm like, well, how do you have you tried? Mm -hmm. You know, we, and I we talk about different levels of even having that engagement of my government. And it doesn't mean it's going to be successful, but I, I think it's an important difference that we start need to start bringing back into the conversation that these aren't two entities. There's us and the government, which it can be at times, guaranteed, but it doesn't mean it's permanent. I and agree. it becomes permanent and, and ossified and you know solidified if we keep that discourse open. Yeah, like and I, I think people give up, uh, mm -hmm. you know, they check out of, you know, trying to make a difference because they think the government is this entity that's separate from the people, just mm -hmm. operates outside of, of their control. But we do, I agree, have, mm -hmm. have some role to influence it. Yeah, and it might not be on a daily, and it might be over, it might be a long game. You know, it often is, you know, mm -hmm. especially for a big, powerful change. It takes a long time, but if we don't engage, then we lose it. Right, well, it's about relationship building, right, too. So, and it's just trusting that, like, the slow process of becoming friendly with someone. You don't have to be friends with them, necessarily, but it's nice to be friendly and, like, engage in dialogue that's healthy dialogue with someone. But I, it just brings something up for me, Mari, and I have a question for you as an elected official. I think a lot of people are relying on that, like, the, the barrier of social media. And I follow like, you know, downtown Ukiah Facebook page or what have you. And people just love to put their thoughts and opinions on online, right? Because you can kind of be anonymous. You don't have to like, how do our electeds engage in civil or in social media? And to what extent is that an effective medium for you? Because I see it as 
as a way like people are are using it to complain and say all the things but that's not true organizing that's that we need to be seen you know and not just heard yeah this is a good segue into how you know we've said local love local government officials are accessible but how do we access them mm -hmm. on the subject of social media i think it varies by elected official um there are elected officials in mendocino county that are incredibly active on social media and that's their primary way of communicating i don't like social media i've always um i've always rejected it even in my personal life um not because i'm a luddite with technology but just weighing the pros and the cons of social media for me it wasn't something that i wanted to spend my time doing and of course there's things i miss by not not engaging that way um but I'd rather communicate with people directly, uh, mm -hmm. phone or email or in person. Right. I mean, it seems like a great way to get the tenor of an idea or a situation and get a sense of where things are going. But huh? I don't see it as direct political action I'm even not in my even, own life. Yeah, I'm not even sure it gets the tenor of where things are going because I think that the people who engage in social media or who maybe not all the people who read it, but the ones maybe who are active on it and respond mm -hmm. to something are a selective group. They mm -hmm. may be selective complainers. Who knows? You know, I'm not sure that it really does. It is an accurate gauge of, of a feeling. I know that when the city of Ukiah had been working on the downtown streetscape project mm -hmm. and, you know, there were a lot of complaints about it, but I don't think that that was necessarily an accurate gauge of, how the general community felt about what was going on. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's difficult it's like to know. It, it's like a public comment at a, at a city hall meeting. I mm -hmm. mean, it's one piece. And so it's not that it doesn't have relevance. It's just not the piece. Yes. And so, I mean, the people who show up are the people that can show up, that know to show up, that are sometimes the usual suspects that show up. And so I think you, you can see it as it's a piece, but it's not the piece. So what is the best way to communicate? Let's say you uh, have a have an issue you want to bring to the, let's mm -hmm. say it's speeding mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. in your local streets. What's the best way or, or another one that's come up recently is, you know, climate change activism mm -hmm. and wanting, wanting local government to start, uh, you know, b being more mm -hmm. proactive mm -hmm. in reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Mm -hmm. So, so how does one bring those concerns mm -hmm. to elected officials? Mm -hmm. What do you think? Well, I might try and rephrase your question that it's not just about bringing them to elected officials. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of always hold up my hands when people are talking about democracy. I said, there's 10 fingers to democracy. And usually one of those fingers is voting. And it's, that's the only finger you use. Great. You're using it, but there's a lot of ways to get your voice in your community and have action take place and participate in democracy on a daily basis. It doesn't have to be every two years. It doesn't have to be every four years when the election comes around. It doesn't have to be just to electeds as important as they do play as a role and communicating a message and setting policy. And so there's sort of an evolution, I think, of expressing one's voice and it can take different paths. But one of those things is, are you part of a shared group? Do you know, like if it's speeding, are you the only one on your street who, fe street who feels this? You know, that's great. And you can call the electeds and say something, but if everybody on your street are the majority and how do you know, do you know your neighborhood? And so sometimes it's talking to them, going for a walk. Maybe it's going just door to door and saying, hi, I'm your neighbor. I mean, I've, I did this when I lived on Grove Street because it used to happen all the time. It's that big, long, wide avenue. And a couple of us neighbors were tired of the speeding on it. So we went neighborhood, we went door to door and with a little sign in sheet, a little petition kind of saying, hey, how do you feel? Have a conversation, introduce ourselves. And that way you kind of have a group that says, we represent a stronger piece right in on this street. This is our street, we care about it. It's not just one voice. So building relationships, finding a group message, knowing you're not alone if that's the case is a great way to do it. Now you might not be the right person, but maybe you know somebody in your neighborhood who's always talking to everybody. Maybe you talk to them and let them talk to the others. Say, hey, we should find out if this is an issue that everybody has. So that's sort of step one is building some relationships, finding out if what you're concerned about is just you, or if there's some critical mass of energy and people in your group to do that. And then, you know, the other part of that is then, it's who's going to have the role to make those decisions. And that sometimes takes some research. Maybe you just go first to, hey, who's my city council? But also, 
you know, you can go at, walk into the city. I've done this. You can walk into the city staff, go right up. People do it all the time to who are working in building or construction to pay your bill, to get a permit. You can walk in. Hey, who's in charge of dealing with speeding on streets? You know, we have a petition here with 30 people that want to talk about it. We're not even talking to the electeds yet, you know, because often what happens and people, I, I uh, coach people on this often is don't forget about the staff the staff of the city, the staff of the county, whatever department you're in, those are the people that are doing the daily work. They're busy, they have a lot to go on, but if the staff is against and is resistant to what the city electeds want, it's not gonna happen. All those people that work in traffic and engineering and all of those, those are the ones that, no disrespect to you, Mari, and all the people that get elected and do the work of electeds, the people who are doing the daily work are the staff of the county, the staff of the city, the staff of the state. They're the ones who are implementing policy. They're the ones who are doing the daily things. So if you can get them on your side, then that's a huge win. And we can talk a little bit more detail to how to get them on your side. Um, well, I'll just follow through with it. So the next stage I'll go. So once you get them and somebody's going, huh, that's great. But go in with the understanding that these folks are already asked, you know, probably overstaffed, probably under budget, have a million things going on. They say, that's great, interesting, but I need this, this, and this before I can move forward. If they tell you some things, Go and do some research as a group. Is there another city? Is there another neighborhood that was successful in doing what they did? Is there another city that's like Ukiah, similar size, that has some policies in place that you can actually pull off the internet or call? Because a lot of staff are risk-free. They don't want to do something new or be the first ones. They're already burdened. So the more work you can do to educate yourself, engage, and present that to staff, you're going to go a long way towards getting things moving forward. So. Mm -hmm. I I'll stop there. Well, I agree. Staff is is key, and nothing happens uh, without the support of staff. It's really true. Uh, I just would like to tell listeners, if you've just tuned in, that you're listening to Citizen U, a forum for exploring local government and related issues to increase civic literacy and, with that, your ability to effectively engage in decisions affecting communities. I'm your host, Mari Roden, and today we're discussing how to make one's voice heard at the local level with Jen Dalton and Miles Gordon. Did you have anything that you wanted to add, well, Jen, on that subject? Of well, it just reminds me of complain to the person who can make a difference. And so you need to be thinking at scale of difference making, right? So even like if you're mad about working with the phone company or whatever, if you're complaining to the rep on the phone about your complaint, well, they can't do anything about it. You need to like go to the person who can actually help you. And so what Miles is bringing up is like the first step to figuring out who can actually make a difference here. And so for a variety of issues, that may be a different person. It's not always the elected official who's going to be able to help. Mm -hmm. And so an actual Actually, it's it's a great place to you know start too because in terms of like that mindset around like feeling nervous about talking with someone or what have you like going into the city offices it's a little less intimidating than speaking publicly at you know a, a supervisor's meeting or yeah. at a city council meeting so we've been talking at a very theoretical level mm -hmm. about how to do this how to do that and I'd like to talk about some examples mm -hmm. so I wonder if either of you could share a memorable, positive experience of trying to make your voice heard, or even maybe a negative experience and what lessons uh, learned came from, from the experience. Mm -hmm. Well, positives often are as an organizer. You know, I do my own advocacy and outreach on things for things that are personal to me. But um, I think as an organizer, again, it goes back to um, thinking about for, I'll just, I'll follow through with the street example. Yeah, tell us a story. I'll tell you the story. You know, mm -hmm. so this is Grove Street. I used to live on Grove. Not only did all the school buses go down it, but because it's a really, if people know Grove, it's the one that goes right up to the front of Todd Grove Park. It's extra wide because apparently in the 1890s, it was laid out to put a streetcar to go to Todd Grove, which was going to be a resort. So people go, why is the street so wide? And when wide streets typically, if you're not aware, invite speeding. It's long, straight, wide streets. Um, so once we did that, we went around and talked to all of the, um, neighborhood 
got petitioned. We went, a few of us from the neighborhood, we went and actually talked to city staff and the engineers, and they gave us some really good information. They're going, well, we have some priorities already, and it's going to be based on getting some speed. You know, we have to, one, we'll, we'll get a speed um, sign out there that we can do that. Two, uh, so that's one sort of preventive. If people see their number when they drive down the street, it says, oh, you're actually going 35 and a 25. That's one way to reduce it. Two, we'll put a little survey um, strip out there to see how many people are actually speeding. Is it just your perception or we're going to do this for a month? So that was really educational for us. Is like, are we just perceiving people are speeding? Is it one out of 100 or is it, you know, 75 out of 100 are speeding? And actually, they came back to the data with us. So they, the city actually followed through because we came as a group and the street was upset about it. We had an actual conversation about what we wanted. We didn't just come. And I think it's important when Jen talks about that idea of complaining um, to get into a mindset, too, that if you look at the folks you're going to talk to, not as like the recipients of your anger, but as somebody who can potentially help you mm -hmm. and you talk about, and this is the positive outcome we want. We just want to see a safe street where children coming from Pomolita or people in the neighborhood are walking, aren't getting hit by cars or have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. That's a big difference from you're not doing your job. Yep. Um, and so when you come and talk about a positive, like this is what we want for our street. We're concerned. Mm -hmm. It was a very, it's a very different reception. So I think you think about when you have something to say as we did, we didn't come and say, you're not doing your job. People are speeding. We want you out there doing something. We said, hey, we want to see a safe street here. Mm -hmm. We want to see that. We talk about the outcome that we want that they feel like, oh, I mean, you have to realize people are working in cities and counties because they want to help. Mm -hmm. You know, sure, there's a few people everywhere that are just like, whatever, I'm just collecting a paycheck. But most people get into public service because they want to be a public servant. So if you talk to their public servants, Right. This is what we want. It makes a big difference. They become your ally, not your enemy. And right. so that ended up actually, and I'll just finish with this. They gave us back all the data, printed it out. And they said, you know what? This street, you have a small, very small speeding problem that I think we can help by regularly putting up this sign that shows this. But right now, here's the other streets we're working on. And they showed us the data that have real speeding issues that they're going to address first. And we're like, okay. So we got information back and we said, all right, thanks. We want to see that regular sign up that helps slow things down. We can see it's not the worst street. And based on what you're doing, you're addressing it. And we're on the list now to keep an eye on. So that was a really positive, not only for the outcome, but I think for us to understand what the process was, how we get involved and how the city actually paid attention to what we had to say and gave us back real information and data we could work with. Mm -hmm. That's a great story. Jen, do you or either of you, what about um, attempts you made to express an idea or want a policy change where it didn't work out and um, there was a negative experience? Well, and can, what did you learn? Well, I can speak to one um, that was more of like a group experience, not speaking with an elected, but bringing my mm -hmm. idea of... Um, doing sort of like a local foods um, assessment of like schools, government, et cetera, purchasing from institutions in our community of, you know, local food, et cetera. And there's a um, organization in Oakland actually that does these like assessments. They'll help you figure out the data, et cetera. And I brought the idea of doing that to our local food policy council. And I think that it was, you know, it's just my idea. I was like, hey, team, you know, group, this would be a really fun thing to do so that we can understand exactly the, you know, the number of dollars being spent on, you know, in certain ways from, you know, the city of Ukiah, the county, et cetera, you know, like our hospital, the jail. And I don't know, it, it just kind of fell on deaf ears, maybe it was I definitely got some negative comments about it. Um, I think people were also in this position of like, maybe we're not ready. But I'm like, what's to be ready for? It's just so that you just have to have an organization come in and help you figure out these numbers. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it seemed like a win win to me. And it was a great step forward. But it felt that way to me. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it was very much this individual passion that I had for a project that a group of people that we were all like-minded weren't ready to pursue as a group project that I felt was going to make a difference in our community. So how could you take that to a lesson um, 
Or is there one to be well, had? Well, I mean, I think that there's some power, too, in sort of having individual conversations with folks before you bring it to a group. So as Miles was saying, you go door to door, but in a in a group dynamic uh, for, a, you know, a council of some kind or a committee of something, well, there's this little thing called lobbying. I mean, maybe you have, you know, coffee with each individual person or a phone call like, hey, I have this idea. Like, what do you think? Or here, let me share the, the details of this idea with you. As an individual, let's, you know, talk about, talk through your pro, your issues with it, your questions, et cetera, as opposed to just presenting it to the group and hoping for like this fabulous reaction that everyone's going to be like, yay, gung ho, let's do it, John. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I had that experience. Um, well, as an elected official early on, maybe 2004, and a constituent came to me um, concerned about climate change information. That was, this is a long time ago, almost 20 years now. Um, and she told me about an organization. It was um, called ICLE, which is a crazy name, but it sounds for International Council for Local Government Initiatives. And it's an international organization and their strategy for organizing a response to climate change was to go to local governments because you know trying to get mm -hmm. you know countries was so hard so it was their their thought was let's go city by city you know country by country at the local level and see if we can get commitments that way and it was it was so exciting to me and so I I brought it forward to the city council and it just sort of fell flat you mm -hmm. know and it was and one thing, so what I learned from that is, and um, I have applied it since then, is to suggest that constituents who have an idea like that, a really powerful idea, speak individually to the council members. It's sort of the lobbying uh, without the money involved. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I say speak to all the other council members, mm -hmm. get prime them for this idea before you bring it to the city council and it's likely to get a more enthusiastic response. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean I think that that applies it's in so many different groups, the PTA, the, you know, your, you know, your mm -hmm. local club, like whatever your that business, is, your business, you exactly, yeah. like trying to appeal to a whole group of people with different perspectives, with different levels of attention, you know, with different priorities. It's 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 good to sort of start small and yeah and then build up momentum for your idea right uh i would like to tell listeners that i'm going to open up the phone lines and you can call the number here it's 895-2448 and we'd love to hear from you miles um, were you going to say something yeah you know so we've been talking a lot about how to organize kind of a group idea um and move forward and there's a real opportunity and role though for individuals still to participate like i don't that's not my style i don't do that and i often see people again back to social media there'll be a really rich discussion often going around some po local political topic on social media and if i see it the first thing i do is like hey this is great i'll copy and paste the email of um, either the local staff or the representatives that deal with it. I say, this is great. Copy and paste your comment and send it to this email. And I think we have to, again, get back into that practice or learning about how we do civics. It's not just talking to each other, which has a role. Social media has some limitations because you're not person to person. Often it's a one-way conversation rather than a dialogue that builds into something. And so when I used to teach civics again, we would, again, learn how to write a letter and I would tell we would have whatever topic was of interest I said I don't care your position I just want you to learn how and we'd write to representatives every time and every student you said I don't care you can take whatever position you want you could say I have no position on this but I understand it and and sort of how you present an argument with a, a desired end and then just send it yeah and it's so easy with email now and texts often m many staff have texts options mm -hmm. is that if you've got an idea and I do this all the time I read something in the paper or I hear something I just go e easily I look up online you know whatever city council members ever there's always a contact I just write out a quick thing and it's basically a three-part process here's my desired action this is what I want to see happen or outcome here's why I believe it let me know what you're doing about it. Mm -hmm. and, and that's you, all you have to do. And and how often do you hear, oh, we have some calls. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let's take a call. Hello, caller. You're on the air. You have a question? Uh, well, yes, a question and a comment. I really appreciate the show because we do have difficulty getting in touch with or knowing how to get in touch with public officials to get things done. And uh, many of us don't feel heard. I, for instance, am not on any social media other than email and texting and so forth, but I've never been on Facebook or any of those things. And many uh, people who try to reach out to us do this on social media. And, and although it seems like everybody's on social media, everybody is not on social media. And uh, so I'd like to see more uh, kind of old-fashioned, I guess, efforts to keep people informed. Um, anyway, that's the comment, and thank you so much for your wonderful program. Thank you, caller. So it was just, uh, for our, my guests are not able to hear the phone very well, um, so I just want to tell them that it was a comment about uh, about having difficulty through social media and, mm-hmm. and appreciating the thoughts about about contacting people directly. Mm-hmm. Well, and I want to just speak to the fact, too, that we, we live in a rural area. Broadband access is limited. And so I that's why we advocate. That's why we're called Kitchen Table Consulting. The idea is sit across the kitchen table from someone and have a real conversation. Like, it's time, I think, that it's like, great. It's been a great experiment. It has its value, for sure. Staying in touch with folks. I love it. I am not against social media, but I am for people getting together. I'm for block parties. I'm for, you know, knocking on your neighbor's door. I'm for calling people on the phone. And I am not perfect at it. I get stuck <laughs> in my head all the time, hoping social media or the computer is going to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. But that's not, it's not where the answers are. So, yeah. I get disappointed, and then I'm like, "Oh, maybe I should just talk to somebody." <laughs> right. All right. Well, we have we have another call, so let's see what they have to say. Wow. Okay, the phones are not working for some reason. Um, try one more time. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with the phones. Um, I wanted to ask you about, um, we talked about how to connect, what's the best way, but what if, what if you're just shy and you mm-hmm. don't, you know, you, you don't have the courage or, you know, if you're um, not part of the sort of privileged mm-hmm. uh, part of the community that, kind of has an expectation that their voice will be heard be heard if they express it. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you empower a disenfranchised community or community member? Mm-hmm. So you know one thing and this I think goes back to um, a lot of the organizing we did for those who don't know what the gardens project is um, it was to work with primarily lower income communities to create a space where people could grow food together and build community and what to address your question it's what's the common experience that people can share that brings them together and you might be shy about um whatever the topic is or you might not know like i don't know how to address people but if you can get together or find your community of people that are involved in something you're involved in you don't often have to actually even talk to a staff person or anything you get involved with the community. And I think this is where I go back to that 10 fingers of democracy, where I said like only one finger is really voting. Um, there's all these other ways. You can be a democratic, civically engaged citizen just by being involved in a neighborhood organization, a group of people that you wanna to get together with and building community. We lose democracy, that idea of civics, when we isolate ourselves uh, and think I have no place to be engaged in this society. And I think that's when we see our extremism happen. We see you know, people turn to violence when they don't see a place for themselves to belong. So it's finding your people and engaging in something that's part of your community. Maybe it is a community garden. Maybe it is fire safe councils have been a great way for people who live in neighborhoods around the edge of the valley to get together 
and find a common interest. You know, they might not be engaging at all with their civic leaders, but they're engaging with their neighborhood to do something positive together. You don't even have to speak. There's a lot of really shy people. They just get out there and <laughs> cut down some branches. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways for people to get involved. Great. Well, but, uh, let me, we have a call. Let's okay. see if it, it's working now. And I think I fixed your audio problem. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Um, yes. Uh, just a comment about democracy is it's just uh, a war tactic. It's divide and conquer. Right now we're divided between um, lust and sex and all that and normal living. And all those people that insist that it's the way they think they should be, but it just seems ridiculous that they're trying to divide the country so that they can take over by letting the people fight. Mm -hmm. And that's what I see democracy as right now, because that's all it's doing. We can't democratize so that people would eat people. Right. Unless we got enough people signing a petition saying, we want to eat people and we're going to have a vote on it. <laughs> yeah. So that's the kind of stuff that bothers me about um, democracy. It's divide and conquer. It's a war tactic. Yeah. Although well, you won't look at it like that or nobody wants to, that's what it really is. Yeah, and if we keep up with it, unless we do it properly, it will not work. It will consume us and ruin us. Mm -hmm. We have to do it properly. You Thank can't have people's just ideas being set forth as being correct. Like, mm -hmm. I'm a man, I'm not a woman. Mm -hmm. I'm a woman, I'm not a man. Those are issues that don't should never be in a democracy those thank, issues thank are you. there thank you caller for okay, thank you. yeah thank you would you like to take that jen well i mean i think you have a valid point caller um because we are definitely seeing and you know a, a rise in you know a duality concept right us or them you or me this or that you know, putting things in their different places, black or white, black or white, et cetera, et cetera. And it is, it is damaging. Um, I think what miles and I are speaking about too is, you know, building community and how important that is. And also focusing on local things, focusing on, you know, what's happening here in our community as opposed to worrying about what's going on out there. I mean, granted, there's plenty to worry about, but we only have control over ourselves and we have the opportunity to take what is inside of us and communicate that to our neighbors and friends and our community. So um, I'm reading this really amazing book right now, caller, that you may enjoy. It's called The Power Manual, How to Master Complex Power Dynamics by Cindy Suarez. And she's the editor-in-chief of the nonprofit Quarterly Magazine. And she is a, a black woman who's really leading some new thinking around um, how we empower ourselves to have our voices be heard. And her big message in this book is really about... How do we move from this duality to more of a, a, you know, more of like a spiritual way of, of acknowledging that we all have a divine right to our own sense of power inside of ourselves? And then so once we can nourish ourselves with the idea that just by being a human being, we are valuable and we have, you know, a right to express ourselves, but we also have to like unlearn a lot of the sort of the ways that we've been taught about you know, what it means to be a participant in society and who gets to participate, then we can begin to heal ourselves a little bit and come out from under our, you know, sort of, mm -hmm. you know, feeling like we, we don't our belong, inhibitions our inhibitions, we're not good enough, all these things, and just trust that, you know, it's okay to open your mouth or, or even just like as Miles said, just get involved, show up at a thing that is a part of some, you know, a group that you find affinity with and, you know, you don't have to necessarily talk, but just be. Yeah. It's okay to just be, too. Thanks. I w would like to remind the listeners, if, in case they just tuned in, that we're listening uh, to Citizen You, a forum for exploring local government and related issues to increase your civic literacy and your ability to effectively engage in decisions affecting our communities. 
And today uh, I'm speaking about how to make your voice heard with Miles Gordon and Jen Dalton. And I'm your host, Mari Roden. And Miles, you were just about to say yeah. something about that. And just going back to the caller's comment about you know, democracy can also be used as a tool to divide. And it's been interesting going and what Jen was just saying about you know, really focusing on that local. We've been in conversations with people locally and other places where they'll start going off about, oh, the woke this or some, something that's kind of in the national media or national politicians and that is causing some of that divide going on where it's them or us. And the first question I always say is, yeah, but think about your community of people, your friends, where you work. How many people are having that? Is that what's important to them? Is that the conversation really that's happening? And the majority of the time people say, no. And so we have to bring ourselves back from, there will always be those seeking to divide for power. Um, it's just the, unfortunately, the nature of some humans and the nature of some of our systems we've created. So the resistance to that is to look at those around you, be it starting your own family, be it starting your workplace, your neighborhood, and see, is that really happening on my level? And most likely it's not. And if it is, it's much easier to bridge and find common values with those people than listening to those demagogues and the people that are in power that are trying to divide us. So yeah, it's out there and the resistance is is to find commonality with the people you know and love. Yeah, you know, that's something that's really exciting and beautiful at the local level is the nonpartisanship. Um, people may have an idea of how, um, elected officials vote on a on say the board of supervisors or or city councils within mendocino county but we transcend those differences because we get at issues that affect the community mm -hmm. that unite us that we all care about and that's something that i love mm -hmm. about local government is we just it does not matter if you're a republican or democrat or you know it, it's it's that's a nice thing well and we live in a really special place and so you know i i think that and it's been a struggle for me too i read the national news every morning i get all uppity a little bit about the things that are going on, but it, I have to pull myself back because it's like I could spend a lot of energy looking at that shiny headline or the things that are going on when my energy really is best spent here at home. Mm -hmm. And so it's, and, and you know, and Miles and I, we do work regionally and nationally. And so sometimes our focus is on other areas, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, what are our relations like here? Yeah. How are we caring for one another? And, you know, yeah, and focusing on how we can be kind to one another and do good things for our community is is much more nourishing to me than the other stuff. And yeah, it's it's a practice of coming back into mm -hmm. what's more localized. Yeah, great. Again, we're taking calls. If you would like to, if you have a question or a comment on this subject of engagement, um, the number is 895-2448. And I want to mention a nonprofit organization that's based in Ukiah. I think, though, that they're starting to be active countywide called UVA. It stands for Ukiah Vecinos in Acción. And one of their, their primary mission, I believe it's their primary mission, is, is to um, help the dis the disenfranchised Latino community um, and teaching them these civics uh, ideas and how how to contact a uh, a member of the board of supervisors mm -hmm. and and I think it's a it's a really important mission that they're undertaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, there's I, there's dual roles going on too. We have to also as a community create structures that enable folks that might not speak the dominant language of English, you know, and I think the city council and others are doing that. Like, how do we have interpretation as part of that? Or how do we have actually folks that are in staff and representatives that speak different languages to get people here? And that understanding, like English is not the official language of the United States. We are a country of thousands of nationalities and thousands of languages. And that's part of being part of a democracy. So if we start to acknowledge like, okay, this is a, if we want to engage a significant portion of our community and being a part of our community, having a stake in it, not only just through being here and economically and participating, but actually in the political process, we need to start looking at 
dismantling some of those exclusive pieces of how our structures are built or were built to allow participation. I mean, we have to remember this is, we started as an extremely limited democracy and the struggle for this country has always been up, live up to this ideal of actually being a more full democracy. And part of that is to actually dismantle some of those limitations. And so I think the city and counties are doing a good job of trying to look at how do we actually open up spaces where people don't have a barrier put in there by the structure of the system too. Well, and I want to say to, you know, many of you may hear, there's a lot of talk about dismantling and, um, it's, I think we're in this tension right now between what is and what could be. And I think it's important not to get caught up in the, you know, the sort of divisiveness of that tension and to focus on like what the, you know, figuring out what are our common visions for what we want to have and what we want to create. And then how do we, you know, speak up for those things, but also understand that the system is what the system is right now. And mm -hmm. so we have to work within that and, also, you know, hold this vision for what we all want. And it's complex and it requires a lot of mental and physical and emotional energy. And, you know, right. it's it's complex. Yeah. Thank you. We have another call. Let's see. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Oh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I'd just like to point out or I have a comment. Um, I. I think is I, I notice you use the word transcend and also that we all have whether we speak the language or not have that core value of how we operate in this area that you know, everybody's kind of pushing the envelope of freedom yet as long as we're not hurting our neighbors but in times of fire or in times of danger we all really gather together mm -hmm. and work as, as a unit. And, and that is a really awesome thing to, uh, to recognize. We also like to, you know, change laws here so that we can create a world uh, that, you know, other people want to come and see. Um, my comment is there seems to be a disconnect between the time that you leave high school and the time that you uh, then settle and start to learn who your neighbors are again. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, that's a group that we might, as we work forward into the future, start targeting and utilizing maybe even um, government credits or high school credits, uh, I'm sorry, uh, high school credits and even college credits received by um, going to public meetings or allowing some of the younger generation to attend the county council meetings, mm -hmm. which happened during the school time. Mm -hmm. Some of these civic meetings are happening and we're making decisions I, for the next generation. Thank yeah, you so I much. Think, and you brought up a, a, a key issue that we often talk about. You know, there's often a comment for folks that are in either power or elected or decision-making positions to say, well, how do we get these people to the table that don't typically show up to talk? And often it's the wrong framing in our minds. It's not how do we get them to our table. It's how do we take this structure to their table? And does that mean, like you said, it might not be the actual um, supervisors meeting, but maybe there's staff that actually go to uh, the school and sit in at a student body meeting, or there's you know staff or council members that go to community organizations where folks that typically wouldn't come or can't come because of timing to those meetings to hear those voices. So it does create this need for changing how we think of who comes who comes to who for the the information you know do we always expect that the people go to the electeds or do we push our structures again for those folks to go out into the community where people might not typically be able to access well and i also just want to point out too that it's not there is maybe a gap in participation from the viewpoint of the traditional structure but it doesn't mean that those that group of people whether it's like young people between the ages of 18 and 26 or something like that they are i'm sh very active they're just active in their 
their groups, right? Their localized scene. Mm-hmm. They're, they're maybe more active on, you know, national issues. They're very passionate. It's a very passionate age, right? And we're seeing like, you know, so many young people voting now and all that great stuff, but it's, it's they're maybe they're not as focused on what's happening at a local level because they're busy exploring their own edges. Yeah, I think that we should give all high school graduates a voter registration form. You know, when they receive their diploma, they should also get a voter registration form. That. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just say the county is very receptive to this. When I was teaching civics as part of learning. I would have every student fill out a voter registration form, even if they weren't 17. And the county said, if this, if the students want, we can hold on to those until they turn 18, and then we'll put them into the system. So I always, we train them how to actually, in civics class, fill out the form. Perfect. And gave them the choice if, if they wanted to turn it in or not. So it's, the county's open to that. They're like, hey, if we if the schools give us those, we'll hold on to them if the students want them. When they turn 18, we'll throw them in the system. I love that. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, I, when my kids graduated high school, I gave them and their friends the voter registration mm-hmm. forms. So we're, we're coming to the end of the hour, and um, I want to give Jen and Miles a big thank you for being my guest today mm-hmm. and, and ask you just if you have any um, brief closing remarks, maybe um, provide any contact information that you would like um, before we close. I just say, again, don't think there's one way to participate. Um, there's people get very intimidated often by how do I participate and have my voice said? And there's a lot of different ways. Again, it can be just talking to your community, your neighborhood, you know, that never actually gets to an elected, but you're participating and you're, you're being civically engaged. So find your place, what's important to you and focus on the positive outcome you want, not on just the complaint. I think we get stuck in the negative, like this is wrong. Well, start talking about what is right and what it would feel like and look like and work towards that rather than just against. We have, sure, we have to acknowledge what the problem is, but we need to really be focusing on the solution. Exactly. I agree. agree. Yeah, I mean, I say this to Miles all the time and he always throws it back at me. But if it's like you want a new life, say new things, right? If you want something different, tell a different story. And so I just, I really feel like harping on and focusing on everything that's not working that makes us feel separated disenfranchised all the things it's like guess what all of us are valuable every single one of us is an important person and so your voice matters um just share it in whatever way feels comfortable for you and who knows the next time it might get easier and easier to get louder and louder great Thank you. This has been really a fun and interesting and stimulating conversation. I so appreciate your coming. Um, tell listeners that um, next Wednesday, tune in at 9 a.m. a week from today for Karen Audubon's special Pledge Drive edition of TKO, which looks at hot topics in local politics. Her guest next week will be Luke Kendall, captain of Cal Fire Mendocino Unit, and Scott Craddy, the executive director of the Mendocino Fire Safe Council. Are we prepared for the fast approaching fire season? That is next Wednesday at 9 a.m. or online at kzyx.org. And stay tuned now for Interlude with Patrick Gomes. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.